unemployment rate averaged 25% through the 1930s. In an attempt to stem the bleeding in its own economy, the United States slapped punitive tariffs on imported products, with desperate consequences for countries exporting to U.S. markets. Mass unemployment in Germany sowed the seeds of Adolf Hitler's rise. The clutching fingers of the Great Depression scrabbled all over the world. As well as changing the course of history and diverting an enterprising young New Zealander from going to university, the Great Depression profoundly revolutionized economics. How could it be otherwise? Economists asked themselves what was happening and why, and whether anything could be done. They took new measurements, formulated new theories, and proposed new policies, all concerned with the central question of economic performance as a whole. The Great Depression gave birth to macroeconomics. A macroeconomist looks at the world through a different lens from that a microeconomist uses. Microeconomics, which I wrote about in my first two books, The Undercover Economist and The Logic of Life, looks at the decisions individuals and firms make. Consider a recent visit I made to my local job centre, cheerlessly designated a branch of the Job Centre Plus Agency, on an appropriately miserable rainy day. A steady stream of people, young and old, male and female, were in there looking for work. The firms seeking workers had given impressive titles to the jobs in typo-filled adverts on a chunky touchscreen terminal. The offered pay told a different story. Security officer, Oxford, £7.88 to £7.88 per hoe. Weekend manager, Oxford, Oxfo, £7.50 per hour. Retail Town Supervisor, Oxford, exceeds National Mini. How would a microeconomist view this nexus of miserable-looking jobs and miserable-looking job seekers? He would think about incentives, prices, and productivity. How much is that harassed-looking young mum worth to an employer? How much is £7.50 an hour worth to her if it means she needs to pay for childcare or loses the right to some state benefits? How much did that skinny, spotty teenager in the hoodie invest in human capital at school? Are job seekers rational? Can they be nudged into a more effective job search with insights from behavioural economics? The answer, based on a randomised trial in a job centre in Loughton near London, is yes. The macroeconomist looks at this scene from quite another perspective. Instead of analysing individual firms and job seekers' incentives, she will study the bird's eye view. The fact that there is a recession, that average wages are falling across the economy, and the number of people out of work is rising. What could be the explanation for such broad changes? Some kind of shock to the system as a whole, such as an increase in the price of oil or a reduction in banks' ability to lend money, reducing the system's capacity to supply products and services? Or a loss of demand, of people's willingness to spend money on Main Street? What might cause such tectonic shifts in the economic landscape? What might fix them or prevent them? These questions seem abstract but there can be no doubt of their importance to the lives of millions of people. During the agonies of the Great Depression, pioneering macroeconomists fought to make sense of the intractable slump by seeking to understand the economy as a whole and as something rather different from the sum of its parts.
What this new breed of economists had in common was a sense that the economy was a thing that could break and a thing that could be mended. The most famous among them was John Maynard Keynes, who sprang to prominence after his blistering critique of the Treaty of Versailles, the economic consequences of the peace, and who consistently criticised the UK's economic policy throughout its depression of the 1920s. But there were others, such as Simon Kuznets, who masterminded the first calculation of the size of the economy, or Bill Phillips's mentor, James Mead, who as a student in the late 1920s abandoned his study of classics and took up economics instead, horrified by the widespread unemployment he saw around him and determined to do something. Mead later became an influential figure in the wartime governance of the British economy. All these men shared a touch of economic genius, but they also shared something else. A determined...